You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. We are starting the Beatitudes as a church. We're going through uh, Matthew 5, and uh, we've, we're on week number 4. So those of you who've missed the first three weeks, you can listen to it online. Um, but I'm going to just do a quick recap of that tonight, and then we'll get into what we're looking at this evening. But I'm going to pray... Uh, just that God would open up our hearts and minds tonight as, as we just look to Scripture, as we look to what He has for us. Lord, I thank You that You're a God that uh, wants to intervene, wants to move in our lives. And uh, Lord, sometimes we, we have our perspective of what we think is, is what life should be, and yet often when we look in Scripture, You've got a different idea. You've got a better plan. And uh, Lord, I pray You'd open our hearts and our minds to receive from You, to listen to Your voice, May not just be my voice that's being heard, but Lord, I pray the voice of your spirit would be, would be speaking into our hearts tonight. God, we want to know you better. In your name, amen. So the passage of scripture that we're looking at is, uh, is in Matthew chapter five. And, uh, really this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, he's, he's, he's kind of laying out, this is what the kingdom of God is all about. And this kind of is a long discourse that we have through Matthew 5, Matthew 6, um, Matthew 7. There's just kind of all this teaching of Jesus. But he starts it all off with this Beatitudes. And uh, how many of you have read the Beatitudes at some point in your life? Yeah? For those of you who haven't, I'm going to read it tonight. And then we're going to look at the passage in particular we're going to look at. So here we have this, these, these things that almost seem very contradictory when Jesus says it. And you'll, you'll know what I mean by when I read it here. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry for, and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now it seems like a bit of a mixed up list, doesn't it? Blessed are those who um, are poor in spirit. We don't like to be poor in spirit. But as we looked at what Chris talked about the very first week, is, uh, is understanding the blessedness comes from us understanding that we need God. I, I don't have it all. And when I come to a place of understanding of, do you know what? I, in myself, in a place of need, I, I, I don't have all the answers. I need help. It's in that place that blessing comes. And when we even talk about the word blessing, it isn't, it isn't money, it isn't necessarily the success that we look at in the world's eyes of blessing, but it's the fullness of what God has for us. It's living with the abundance of His plan and His purposes. The last, um, the second week, uh, Julian t- talked about those, He'll comfort those who mourn. Those who mourn will be comforted. And there's this, this, this aspect of Jesus went through emotion. When, uh, when Lazarus died, he wept. There's a sense of him understanding what it is to feel, feel lost, what it is to feel um, discouragement, what it is to kind of go through that place of mourning. And, and he comforts those who mourn. But it goes beyond that. It's, it's mourning our sin. It's coming to a place of, again, uh, of, of feeling that sense of, I need God. And in a place, again, that we come to a place of um, a blessing. Last week, Tom talked about meekness. And meekness is not weakness, right? I mean, for those of you who are here, meekness does not mean weakness. But he, he used a great quote, is, is rather, it's power under control. Jesus was meek when he came into the world. Not because he was weak, but he, 
he emptied himself of his, all his glory, all his power, in order to come and be a servant of the world. To, to, to pay for the, for the sin of mankind. And in that process, he was exalted to the highest place. And we ourselves are able to be seated with him. And so Jesus came in meekness. And that was great power. That was God incarnated. And yet it wasn't, Jesus was never weak. At any moment when Jesus was especially going through the crucifixion, at any moment he could have called him down a legion of, of angels to, um, to stop the whole process of happening. He was always in control. And yet he chose to, to humble himself and take on the, the, the nature of a servant. And this call that he gives to us to, to be meek towards one another, to prefer one another, to be humble in ourselves as we, 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 we look at ourselves with sober judgment as we interact with one another. It's again upside down to the world system. And this week we're going to look at verse number six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessing comes from a place of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. How many of you ever felt hungry before? All right. I'll ask the question again. How many of you ever felt hungry before? I, I think every hand should be up. Because everyone has felt hungry at some point. Now, how many of you felt thirsty before? Yes. Okay. Now, hunger. So, what we're talking about today, everyone in this room can understand what we're talking about, right? Because you all put up your hands saying you've experienced hunger. Um, I don't like being hungry. I don't think anyone likes being hungry. No one likes being thirsty. Those are not good emotions. Would you agree? I don't like the feeling of being hungry. It's not something I look forward to. Your stomach begins to growl. You have this longing for food. It's all you think about. You, 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 you start to dream about it. Um, if you fast for a day, which we're going to be doing on Wednesday in our day of prayer, this whole, uh, the whole aspect of being hungry, I know will set into our minds. Because after you miss breakfast, you start to feel hungry about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You say, oh, I'm, I'm starting to feel hungry. Then by 1 o'clock, you think, I am really hungry. And then by 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, when you'd normally be eating tea, you're thinking, man, I am so starving for food. This is a good reason why we're going to do it, okay? So we're going to, on Wednesday, we're going to understand what this passage of Scripture is really talking about. Being hungry. But thirst, thirst is a little bit of a different sensation, isn't it? Uh, hunger kind of gets right in your stomach. You're, you're hungry. It's a physical thing. But thirst is like, it's, it's in you. It's a deeper emotion or non emotion. It's a different, different feeling to be really, really thirsty for water or thirsty for liquid. It's like it, it gets, you, you, you know you want it. Even talking about it makes me thirsty. You're thinking about just cold water. I had this experience when I was, um, when I was about 19 years old. I, I helped out with a youth camp in Poland. And uh, we traveled there and uh, spent a week there. And the whole idea was to help teach them English. And, uh, and it, was, it was a Christian camp. And uh, in one of the afternoons, or one of the days, it was kind of a day activity. And they said, we're going to go, we're going to hike over seven mountain peaks. It's in the south of Poland, beautiful countryside. Uh, we're going we're gonna to hike over seven mountain peaks in the area. And uh, I thought, this is fantastic. Going to get some great exercise. And so they packed us a lunch and they gave us our water. Now, these are people who live in this area and can live off of this portion. Um, but I was a 19-year-old boy. And uh, they gave me two cheese rolls and a, a cup uh, uh, and a small bottle of water. And this was going to last me all day. 
Well, we set out like at nine o'clock, and by ten o'clock, I had devoured the two little sandwiches, and my water was gone. And we just started, and we had seven mountain peaks to go, you know. And I that that day, I I still it's still implanted in my head is the worst day. Well, I shouldn't say the worst day of my life, but it was it was day that I became desperate for food, and I became desperate for water. I mean, I was with these people, and it's it's like they. They just walked with such aggression up that mountain because they're accustomed to it. They weren't sweating. I was profusely sweating. That's why I needed the liquid, which I did not have. Um, so you you were in this kind of no-win situation, and you get to a point when you've gone mountain climbing. How many of you have done mountain climbing? Anyone done mountain climbing or outdoorsy kind of stuff? You get to a point where there's no return, right? You got to keep going, and and at that point, I realized this little bit of food is not going to last me for the day. And I realized the distance that we were traveling. It's like when we got to the first mountain peak, and they said we're going to head over there. I thought that is a huge distance, even if it was a flat line, that was a long walk. But we have to go down and up, down and up. Anyways, point being, I understood this probably more than any other time in my life what it meant to be absolutely desperate for food and water. The last two hours of the journey, all I thought about was eating and drinking. That's all I thought about. I didn't even think about the scenery anymore. I don't care how beautiful it was. All that dominated my thoughts was that I am starving, utterly starving. And we got back to the place, and they again just served us a little meal. And I thought, this isn't enough for me. This is not enough for me. I need more. I need meat. I need something that's going to satisfy me. Anyways, that was part of my my journey. Nothing, nothing quite satisfies us. And I think all of us, uh, all of us, kind of have this understanding of what what it means to be really hungry. And Jesus said, "You're really blessed when you get at this stage of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. When you've got this deep appetite, deep inside of your life, deep inside of your kind of your bosom, where they actually, I really want righteousness." Like meekness, righteousness is a very difficult word to describe. So if I were to say, guys, are you guys really hungry for righteousness? You think, well, I don't you know what righteousness is, really. So it sounds like a grand word, but it's kind of like meekness. Does it, does it mean anything to me, really? And so maybe to unpackage this word of, of, of being righteous, it's probably easier to, to look at other words that would help define what righteousness really means. And so one word would be, or some words here, morally right, or right standing with God. To be righteous is to stand in a right position with God. To be blameless, or to be innocent, or to be guiltless, or worthy. All of these would be aspects of this word righteous, where actually, deep inside, we, we can feel like we've got a right relationship with God. Deep inside, we feel blameless, and we feel innocent. I don't think any one of us like to feel deep inside like we're we're worthless we have no we we we've, we we're, our our hands are are covered in um in sin and and we just feel like actually everything's against us i don't think any one of us actually likes that feeling it's like no one really likes to feel hungry no one really likes to feel thirsty no one really likes to feel worthless or unworthy or unrighteous or where god could never really accept me as i am because of what i've done I don't think anyone really likes that. And so that hunger inside of us is this need to be made right with God. The sense of, I I, I need to have a right relationship with, I need to be made right. I need to have a right, right standing with God. 
To come, become righteous is coming to a place where there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, no feeling of, of or condemnation being the sense that there's no feeling of being condemned, knowing that I'm completely in the right place with God. It's like being really hungry and then coming to a place where you eat at a buffet. I've discovered that buffets are part of the blessing of God. Okay, especially a really nice buffet. How many of you enjoy buffets? I, I know buffets aren't for everyone, but come on. Buffets is like all this food, and I can just keep going back and eating more, and no one's going to stop me. I just think they're an amazing blessing. Whoever came up with the idea of a buffet, it was a, it was a God moment. To just put out lots of different food, of all different kinds of food, and just allow people to eat as much as they want, and try all different food for one price. It's a great experience. Anyways, the point is, I'm digressing here on this thought of food. <laughs> the point is buffet. The point is buffet. So the point is, you're really hungry, and coming to a place where you, when you're really, really hungry, and you go to a buffet, and you partake, and you enjoy the succulent food, that that buffet, with no MSG, it's all fresh food, offered on the buffet and you put it on your plate and you eat it and when you're really hungry it tastes really good how many know that when you're really really hungry food tastes just amazing almost any food tastes amazing when you're really hungry right but especially when you're super hungry food tastes un- incredible and i think coming to a place of when we are desperate in our in our in a sense of knowing who we really are knowing that we need to to come right before god and you come to a place of being desperate. And when God comes and satisfies that, removes the guilt and shame, we become blessed. Just like sitting down to a wonderful buffet, eating with your, your plate mound, not gluttonous, but just to a place where you're nice and full. Right? You don't want to sit on the other end of it. But eating, eating to a place where you're like, oh, this is so good. That's the blessing in the physical, what God is talking about in the spiritual being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. When you're hungry and thirsty, it can lead you to do all sorts of things. And I think, especially in this context of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness, I think all of us have this deep longing in our hearts to to know God. I I, I do believe, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of, uh, of your culture, we deep inside, we have this hunger to know our maker, to, to, to be right with him, to have a relationship with him. And so people, when they're hungry, when they're hungry to have this connection, will search different religions. I know someone who, who traveled to another part of the world and joined a monastery for about a year, just trying to come to grips with who God is and who they were and, and feeling like there was a disconnect. And even through that whole process, coming back to England saying, you know, I still haven't, I didn't, it didn't answer the questions. I, yes, I found solitude, but sometimes solitude can be hell if you haven't found peace. Right? How many, you can be in quietness, but not be in peace. And so even though he was for a year in solitude, trying to find God, it led him to these places of desperation. And so others, some people will, will go through all sorts of different religions. Some will live controlled by rules, somehow trying to please God. So you kind of, you could go to Christianity or you could go to the law that's in the Bible and think, if I just obey the Ten Commandments, if I just really, if I do what I need to do, what's, what's said there, I, I'm going to somehow please God. 
and you can live a life controlled by rules. But at the end of that, still feel empty. Because rules don't satisfy deep within us. We still feel like it's not quite enough. No matter how hard we try, we still don't quite measure up. And the problem is this, and, and this is the irony of this whole passage of Scripture. The problem is, when we read Romans 3.10, it says, No one is righteous, not even one. Well, he says, well, wait a minute, Jesus says, hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then we see in Scripture, well, no one's righteous. Well, then it's kind of a, a lose-lose, isn't it? If you're really hungry for it, that's great. You'll be blessed. But then we see in this passage, but, but no one's righteous. Shucks. Even those who try to obey the law, the Ten Commandments, as I said, they don't find it. Because further on in that same passage of Scripture, says, therefore no one will be de- declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, you we become conscious of sin. So actually, the opposite happens. The more we try to obey the law, the more we realize we are sinners and we're separated from God. And so you try all the harder to, I will try not to do this. I'll try not to do this. I'll try to be that. And we keep trying and trying and trying. And all the while, the, the law is exposing more and more the distance we are really from God by our own actions, by our, the sin in our hearts, by all the things that otherwise God would, would not like. And we feel more and more unrighteous the more and more we look at the law. Okay? The more and more we try to focus on the law, the more and we, more we realize we don't quite measure up. And the further we feel from actually being righteous. Because nothing in this world, and nothing even in the Old Testament law, can satisfy this hunger because of the sin that's in us. It's like having a worm. If you get a worm, I know our cats, we had a cat who had worms when I was growing up. And uh, it started to lose weight. And it would eat lots, and it just kept losing weight. And it, it became evident that something was wrong, right? When a cat can eat a lot of food and it's getting, it's getting thinner and thinner, but there was something else eating that food. It was, it wasn't able to consume because that, that, that worm was devouring it. And the same thing goes with us. We can try to be good on all very fronts, but actually it's the sin in us that just keeps us separated. And it's like that worm that just keeps devouring whatever good we're trying to do. So why does Jesus say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst? It doesn't sound like a blessing, it really sounds like a curse. Blessed are you if you thirst and hunger for this. And yet, like all the other Beatitudes, Jesus was saying it because he had a solution to it. He, he had a thought process that he was saying, he was, he was underlying this with a thought that, actually, you're blessed if you're thirsting and hungry for this, because I have the answer for this need. And nothing else in this world is going to satisfy it. And so in saying what he said, he knew that he was the only one that could actually answer what he was saying. It's kind of a crazy thing, isn't it? It's like a secret kind of cryptic message that he was saying, blessed are you if you go down this road, because you know, unless you find the way I've got for you, you'll end up being discouraged and frustrated and everything, but you, you'll lead you to the path at the end of the day where you come to know me. Now, Jesus says in John chapter 7, I'll turn there real quick, John chapter 7. Verses 37 to 39. It says this, On the feast 
the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said to, in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, say thirsty. Are you thirsty? Yes. You've had some food, so you're not hungry, but you might be thirsty. So let's focus on that thirst. Okay? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. What was he saying? If, if anyone is thirsty, come to him. Not everyone is hungry or thirsty. How, how many of you heard that saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right? Have you, have you heard this saying before? Okay, good. Stick with me. You can lead a horse to water. You can, you can bring the table. You can set out food. We can serve you food on your tables, but we can't make you eat it. Right? Jesus can bring everything. He can prepare the table for us, but He can't make us eat it. He can't make us drink of it. He can't make us accept it. He, he lays it all out. He's paid the price. We sang about it earlier. He's done it all, but actually it requires the if bit of us. If you're thirsty, we can come to Him. If, if we've got that in our hearts, we can actually find satisfaction in Him. He satisfies us because He's the only one that can offer righteousness. He's the only one that can offer the righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a fantastic verse to memorize. Okay, It sums up the whole gospel message in this one verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One verse says it all. I want to say it again. I want us to really get it in our heart. Actually, can I say it and you repeat it after me? Because I, I want you to really catch this. I'll say it's kind of like a, a wedding here. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Johnny even did that with his eyes closed. How talented is he? <laughs> Jesus became sin, took on sin for us, so that in him we might receive the righteousness of God. That's the only option. And so in this verse, when Jesus said earlier on, the beginning of his ministry, you're blessed if you're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, knowing that it is going to be in him that he would offer it to us. In Him that we would find that fullness that we are looking for. Jesus paid the price for our forgiveness to be justified. So when we put our faith in Him, we become righteous. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. And so this whole understanding of being thirsty and being hungry is coming to Him, accepting Him, putting our belief in Him. And in that, in that process, it's the same thing as sitting down to the table with a nice glass of cold water and a big plate full of food and partaking of something that satisfies the deepest part of our lives because we're hungry and thirsty for it. There are a lot of people out there that search all sorts of other things all the while. Jesus has this banquet of righteousness set out before us and we just, we just don't have an appetite for it. We're looking for all sorts of other things that just leave us still hungry, still thirsty, still feeling like we're disconnected from our maker. 
And yet Jesus said, you know, all you have to do is believe in me because I paid this price so that you can be filled. You can not just be filled, but it can be overflowing. When we come hungry to be made right before God and we look to Jesus, we are satisfied completely. Now, being filled is in two areas. The first area is this deep longing in our heart to be satisfied. As I just mentioned, nothing in this world can satisfy what Jesus knew only he could satisfy. Why? Because all our good works doesn't, it, 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 all our good works is as um, filthy rags to God. The best that you can offer God is still not good enough. And God knows that. And so, the deep longing of our heart to, to, to be satisfied, to, to be justified before God, or for God to look at us and say, you know what, I accept you. There's no guilt, there's no shame. It only can come through Jesus. And so, when we come to a place of saying, God, I give my life to you, all the shame, all the guilt, all the things in our lives that would otherwise stand opposed to us are removed in that moment. Our sin is wiped away as far as the east is from the west. Jesus has paid for it all, both past, present, and future. He paid for it once on the cross. He doesn't keep, he doesn't keep dying for our sins. He died for our sins. Right? And when we put our faith in Him, we stand in this place where He, He now fills us with His Spirit. As the second area of filling, we, we receive the longing of our heart. The second area we receive is His filling, and which the Bible often refers to as water, or as streams of life that can flow within us. And so, this picture of, of Him coming and filling, he, he satisfies the longing, but then He fills us so that our lives are transformed from the inside out and we become a fountain of life for the people around us. God doesn't want to just you to come to a place of being filled with His righteousness and His goodness, but He wants that to overflow to the people around you who are also dying of hunger and thirst. All around us, we live by people that are thirsty and hungry. They just don't know what they're thirsty and hungry for. But there's something in them that's driving them to do all sorts of crazy things to somehow satisfy a desire that only God can fill. And you, and through your life, you've got a fountain that should be flowing of the spring of life from within. That's what Jesus said. Well, we've already read it tonight. From within, the Holy Spirit can be poured out through us to other people. So others around us, hungry and thirsty, can find Jesus through us. So just bringing it to a close, are you blessed? But in answering this question, are you coming to a place of being hungry? Have you come to a place at some point in your life where you're hungry, actually hungry, for God to, to, to meet with God, to be right with God, to, to understand that uh, I'm sick of all the shame, all the things in my life, I'm, I'm sick of all of this, and I want to come to know Him. I encourage you, if you've, if you've never made that step, I encourage you to, to turn to Jesus. Because He alone can fill you till you're satisfied and till you're overflowing. But it just takes a step of saying, God, I choose to put my faith in you. I repent, which just means turning away from the life I used to live and choosing now to follow after Him, giving my life to Him. And He comes with His Spirit and He fills us overflowing. But what about those who are already found in Jesus? Already experienced this restored relationship with God. Are we still hungry and thirsty for more of Him? To move in other areas of our lives. You see, when we look at this aspect of being made right before Him, it isn't just a one-off thing. Because I've got an old nature that doesn't like 
to be a new Christian. Right? I've got an old nature that needs to be transformed, needs to be made more like Jesus. And God calls me to continue to be hungry and thirsty for more of Him, to change the areas of my life that aren't in conformity to His plans and His purpose. And when we stop being hungry and thirsty for that, we start to flatline in our relationship with God. We, we just kind of just, we go on with the show. But God wants us to continue to be coming to Him hungry for Him to, to make right the things of our lives that actually aren't quite right. And it, that's, there's a, there's a theological world called sanctification. This sense of God taking the inner man, which is renewed, working its way out to our old nature, becoming more like Jesus. And so that in being hungry for Him, being hungry for His Spirit, that our, our lives would impact those around us to ever increasing, uh, ever increasing measure. That more of His Spirit is flowing through us. More of the nature of Jesus is aware. It, it, you know, we look more and more like Jesus to the people around us. I hope that next year I look more like Jesus than this year. And not because somehow something will just happen, but I believe it, it will only happen if I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. For, for Him to make right the things in my life. For Him to change me into more, to be more like Him. People are touched around us because of what Jesus is doing in me. And only Jesus can do that. Blessings come from hunger and thirst. But hunger and thirst is a choice that we have. We have a choice to be hunger, to be hungry. And maybe it's, maybe it's the choice of listening to that voice of hunger. Maybe it's a choice of saying, I'm going to stop filling that hunger with something else. I'm going to, I'm going to turn that hunger towards God. God has something for each of us. And I believe that the blessing, and again, looking at the word blessing, isn't necessarily we're looking at material blessing. We're not talking about, you know, if you do this, you're going to get a thousand pounds this week, guys. I'm not saying that. Yes, please. That would be fantastic. Where do I sign up? I received that. Okay, that's why I'm saying it's not that, though, guys. It's not that. That's not the blessing we're talking about. We're talking about... All that God has for us, that is the blessing. Walking in God's favor, walking in in the fullness of His presence upon our lives. That is what He's offering as a blessing. But it only comes when we're thirsty and hungry for Him. Hungry for a right relationship with Him. Hunger for righteousness. And so I I just want to, I'm going to close by praying and, and asking God to to move in us, to whet our appetite. And again, maybe tonight you're here and, and, and you've had a deep longing for a long time. Maybe tonight's the night where you need to give way to God. He wants to fill you. He wants to satisfy. But it only comes when we can say, God, I turn to you. I turn to you, Jesus. No other religion, no other faith offers this. Can I tell you that? You can search religions far and wide and no religion offers the complete satisfaction that Jesus offers. But it always comes with a price. It comes, it comes with the price of us giving our lives to Him as well. Right? So I'm going to pray. And, uh, in fact, at the end, if, if, if you fall into that side of things, I, I really encourage you to come and talk to me. So I would really love to pray with you. One to one, that we would, I, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. 
because he alone is the one that we can we we can look to and for for those of you who have have walked with God for a long time i i I'm going to pray tonight that God would increase our appetite for Him. Okay? That we wouldn't just be content with where we're at, but that we'd be hungry for more of Him. What does it mean to be hungry for righteousness? It's be hungry for more of God. Because He's the only one who's righteous. And He can do that in us. He can fill us to overflowing. So why don't you bow your heads with me as we just close in prayer. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.